see these these vocals they just they have a way about them they have a crisp and clearness but the the essence of something familiar and 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 distant it's unintelligible yet so clear it's again the familiarity but also something that just seems like you've never experienced it before a toilet bowl in a way What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Tentacle Bot Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. And we're back, and we're talking about what's probably pretty close to the sound of a toilet bowl. This one is the self-titled record by Darko. Um, Gabe, what were your first impressions on this? So, this album is stupid heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a fan of Tom Barber's unholy vocal capabilities, um, you're not going to be disappointed. Um, after listening to the album a few times, it's definitely easy to tell that it's like an experimental project for the both of them. Um, so it, it's comprised of uh, Tom Barber from Chelsea Grin uh, and formerly of La- Lorna Shore and Josh Miller of Emir, who's also formerly of Glass Cloud. Um, it feels like Emir met Tom Barber and added just some of Chelsea Grin's softer stuff to, to create this blend of a side project. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about it? It's honestly kind of the same way. It's just really, really heavy. And it's one of those things where it's, I, if I'm just looking for almost a mind numbing heaviness, just to just listen to something angry, this is definitely the record I would turn to. Um, definitely very much felt like the Tom Barber project is it's really, you just see what he can do with his unholy vocal cords and just whatever ridiculous sounds that he's capable of making. You can definitely see that. Um, one of the things I definitely noticed musically is how much they went for just these really thick, thick chugs. Um, and then just a a dissonant sound in the background, just to add this element of chaos, um, and it's just nasty, nasty. Yeah, that was kind of my musical impression of it as well. Like, my, my complaint is honestly felt just too much like Emir instrumentals, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense since it was uh, Josh Miller doing all of the instruments that we were able to find. Um, it's all just rhythm and chugs, and it just didn't really have a lot of variation in that. Like, what they did, they did really well, but it began blending the songs together for me, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think the only thing that really kind of helps separate anything from anything is some of the programming and electronics that they included is it added a little bit of that extra sort of uneasiness, the chaotic element, uh, but it also helped to separate to some extent, but it wasn't enough to really give every individual song its own identity. Yeah, and a lot of them were super repetitive as well, and that was oh, like another sure. issue that I had with it. Just- it sounded very akin to 2010s like era kind of um, dubstep. Oh uh, yeah, like where it just kind of like was these screeching sounds that uh, Josh was making with like a whammy pedal or mm-hmm. some sort of uh, a guitar effect, and so it was just very repetitive and kind of just began drilling those into your head, and that got kind of irritating. Like if there was variation or breaking up of that throughout the song, then that was fine. Like right. it adds a different element, and like you said, the chaoticness of it, but. Um, if it's just sitting there over and over and over throughout the entire song, that gets really rough really quick. Yeah. And the one thing that's nice, um, you know, kind of looking away from so much the the instrumentals, but the vocals, is what Tom was doing vocally felt a lot more like Lorna Shore era Tom mm-hmm. Barber as opposed to Chelsea Grin. Um, you did see a little bit more of that style in a song or two, but it felt a lot more like what he was doing in Lorna Shore. 
um, as he would he felt like he was more cutting loose then, and he was kind of, he's a little bit more reserved now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how did you feel about the album lyrically? The so. And I, so I actually follow Tom Barber on Instagram. Um, and, you know, I don't want to really discredit his opinion, uh, but it, a lot of it comes off very, like, woke. Um, it's just kind of the, the woke mentality. Um, a couple of the songs that I was really getting that uh, vibe from was Splinter Cell as well as Pretenders. Um, Fiend Dream kind of told a story about, like, the um, kind of fame and how much he really doesn't... It's almost as if he's trying to disown the fame that's associated with the music. Um, and then, actually, and we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper, but Praise the Sun is based off of the Dark Souls game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little all over the place, but a lot more of that woke vibe on it. Yeah, that, that was kind of my impression as well, and I, I'm not sure if you mentioned it. Insects was also the exact same way as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely wasn't anything to really like write home about. It wasn't amazing by any means. It was mm-hmm. fine songwriting. Like I enjoyed it uh, from a lyrical standpoint. I didn't enjoy the fact that uh, Tom just has this way about his gutturals that make them completely unintelligible. Like he's completely just not enunciating <laughs> these words. I the once I actually sat back, um, sat down, and after reading some of the lyrics and starting to try and listen to the record again to try and see if I could piece it out, as it was really difficult to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's always always an issue that I have really with any artist. If I can't really be able to understand your vocals when I'm reading along with them, mm-hmm. that's an issue. Like it's one thing if you have a distinct vocal style that and the mixing uh, differences can make that vary and a hard or heavy vocals are usually going to be something uh, somewhat more unintelligible to begin oh, with. For sure, yeah. But you build up a, a kind of a tolerance really to it and you be able to understand a lot of that stuff. And this one, it's just, even with the lyrics, I still found myself losing my place a lot. Yeah. And I think the, I think especially with this project is I feel like it was probably a situation where Tom was just kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to cut loose and let her rip. And honestly, when you go and you're trying to make the, the noises that he was trying to, as I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of that is going to get lost in translation. Yeah. Um, so I, I can completely understand that that perspective and uh, part of the reason i'm not a super big fan of uh slam yeah oh, i gotta that. say the same there <laughs> um and then what about the artwork what were you thinking on that one so the album artwork was done by an artist rui carnario um I'm, I'm probably completely saying his name wrong so Rui, i do apologize um but he's been doing a ton of work lately um i'm uh, he's in a, a a local group for the silent planet depths posting facebook page um, so I get to see like a lot of his work that he posts up in there. Um, but he's been doing work for like Fit for a King, Silent Planet, Crown the Empire, Alpha Wolf, and, and so many more wow. as of late. Like he he's just killing it in terms of the the digital media game. Um, he has a very distinctive style, mm-hmm. and so like when you look at it, you can say, hey, this is definitely a, a Rui uh, artwork that he did for this particular band. Okay, um, which often has to do with kind of just that almost chaotic look to it, where it's like almost like a a freeze frame and a digital glitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that definitely worked for this album. The artwork really just encompassed the whole chaos beauty within and overall just experimental vibe to it. Right. Um, I wasn't able to locate any of the information, any information behind the meaning of the symbols. Um, I'm unaffiliated and I'm also unfamiliar with the foreign language that 
it had on the front there, although I'm going to venture to say that it's Darko, that it says Darko. And it, yeah, and that might be. Because I know I was seeing, um, there was, it looked like it was either Japanese or Chinese calligraphy. Um, I definitely kind of, that caught my attention. But, but the thing that I thought that was really interesting was in the background is it was this, um, this hand with these really long fingernails, and it was just kind of this creepy-looking hand reaching out for a female's face who was looking away. Um, and I think just kind of having, and then especially with the the, the various symbols located all around the um, the album art, is I think really added to again that chaotic element, and um, which is something that we definitely see on the record. And then the darko and just that bright pink is just having that stark contrast compared to the dark gray background was definitely a kind of neat little touch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it kind of gives me two different vibes. Like part of it with just the way the rest of the record is, it feels like this is kind of more just a, f- a fun side project for them. I don't want to say mm-hmm. a joke because I don't want to suggest that they're like not taking it seriously. Or right. Anything, but right. Like this is really just more about kind of being fun for the guys. Yeah. And then part of it also gave me kind of the, the vibe of like what sleep token is doing where it's building kind of more of an image around what the band is instead of being centered on the band themselves. It's about creating what the, um, the overall atmosphere of the band is okay. Uh, so I kind of saw that because they, they had a, a similar vibe with their their first uh, uh, EP, mm-hmm. the the album cover for that as well. It just kind of had a very uh, another s- similar ethereal kind of dark spooky vibe. Yeah, big spookies. Yes, <laughs> but uh, we'll go ahead and move on from that now and uh, move into the track by track on it. Uh, first off, the album kicks off a splinter cell. Matt, how are you feeling about this one? It's not about Splinter Cell, and I'm very disappointed. Um, I was, as a, as a big fan of the Splinter Cell game series and seeing that name, I'm thinking, like, ooh, are we going to hear a reference to, like, Sam Fisher and, like, the some of the story? Nope, not one bit. And I was just real sad about that. And then I further made him more sad when we were discussing this beforehand, and I said I'd never even heard of it. And then he proceeded to tell me that there were six <laughs> games about it, and... I I still don't really know how to feel about that. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I, it just opened the album with a sonic obliteration. The electronic melody throughout the song is neat, and as the song states in the beginning, this is Darko Welcome, and this song absolutely encapsulates everything Darko is on this record. Like it, it was just right out the gate when Matt and I both first heard this song, we immediately dropped the album that we were originally going to do, which mm-hmm. we'll discuss here in a bit. Um, and decided that we were going to be doing a deep dive on this one. <laughs> yeah, and this this one, and you and I were actually sitting in the in your car. We were actually going to get food, and we were like, "Oh yeah, let's go and give it a shot." And it's just like the the electronic programming kind of thing at the beginning again really reinforces that uneasy feeling, and then as you said, just that barrage of just disgusting. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, I th- really, I think I spent the entire song with the stank face. It mm-hmm. was, it was just nasty from front to back, and um, just continued to pretty much set a very strong expectation for what the record is. And I think as an opener, it was, I'd say, mint. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then it leads into Fiend Dream, and I think this is my least favorite song on the record, solely for the fact that this is the worst song that Tom doesn't enunciate his words. Like it is just if you if I would challenge the listeners to go and listen to this song and read along with the lyrics and they would understand what I'm talking about, and then on top of that, like th- this was one of the ones that gave me that deathcore dubstep vibe mm-hmm. where it's just a shrieking guitars in the back, 
uh, throughout the entire song, and it just it, this song was not for me. Yeah, this one the thing that this one does is it continues the barrage of heavy that the first song that Splinter Cell really starts, but it feels a lot less chaotic. It felt like it, you know, there was still the element of chaos, and it felt like things were jumping around quite a bit, and then especially with that, um, you know, the squealing guitars that you had referenced, is it felt like those were toned down a lot from the first song, and it felt like it was a little bit more of an organized chaos as opposed to the first song um the the guitar just really hammers on that eerie vibe again um and you know reinforces just what what we had said is just thick chugs and dissonance and just eerie stuff going on in the background Mm -hmm. um yeah and and this is another one of the ones where it really just hammered home like this is basically an emir song with Tom Barber. Uh, with Tom Barber. Yeah. yeah. And this is, I think this is the one where he, I, he might actually be cutting loose the most. Uh, but unfortunately is that takes away a lot from the enunciation of it. Um, following this one is Donna. So this, can we, so, okay. This one is, feels like this should not have been on the record. This feels like it should have been from a different artist. Like it starts off and it sounds like a post Malone song and then suddenly cuts into this like sempaternal era bring me the horizon song. <laughs> it, it's it it's it's so far out of left field that I'm like what's going on? So while I agree with you, I love this song. <laughs> it's a it's a good song. It's Don't get me wrong. Song. Like it one hundred percent caught me by surprise. Like I wasn't even certain it was the same band when I was listening to it. <laughs> right. And then I looked at it and I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> so and the the interesting thing about this one is Josh Miller, who's the uh, person who's doing all the um, instrumentals, and again uh, with Emir and formerly of Glass Cloud, is he had written it. His grandmother had recently passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the quote that he had said, and it was based off of a uh, Instagram post that he had posted around the release of the song, um, is he had said, the song is a mixture of emotions and memories from holidays and birthdays or even walking into my grandparents' home to a familiar feeling of love and normality, whatever that may be to you. Um, and you definitely really get that vibe from it. Um, and it's just kind of a, a love song to his grandmother, whose name was actually Donna. So it's a, r- a real nice touch to that. Um, and I think Tom actually does a really good vocal delivery of it. Um, honestly, I didn't expect him to sing as well as he does. I was not ready for that either. And like, it just, it honestly was a really solid song. It just, it, like you said earlier, it came really out of left field. It just didn't feel like it belonged on the record. Like I, the feels are real. (laughs) The, uh, just overall, like I, like I said, I really like the song, um, and if they continue to do stuff like this, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's just I would have liked a warning. <laughs> yeah, no, I and especially kind of an ease into it. Um, and speaking of not easing into it, <laughs> we jump right back to the heavy and its uh, pretenders. Um, and it does feature Ben Dur of Shadow of Intent. And honestly, this is one of those songs where because it has Tom and Ben in it, is it's almost way too much brutal. But I am all for it. I am a huge Bendur fan. I'm a big fan of Shadow of Intent, um, pre their most recent record. But oh my lord, those two are just stupid good. Yeah, um, Bendur enunciates better than uh, <laughs> Tom Harper. <laughs> he, he does. But he definitely brings some of that nasty nasty on this song. Like He gets a really long feature too. It's Oh yeah. 
it's like a whole verse and or verse and a half really mm-hmm. like it, it's a, a very long feature which I've, I've noticed on the other features that were on this album too is the they're all really long which is abnormal for a band yeah i'm okay with it absolutely oh for sure because it it, uh, just was interesting to see the unfortunate thing is a lot of features especially with metal bands is because of how short they are is it doesn't really allow them the chance to fully um kind of show off what they do and so then it goes and you know you get this short little bit and it's like that's cool, but you, it leaves you wanting more. But with these features, is they're a lot longer, but they don't overstay their welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, I think, one of them, but we'll definitely dig into that once we get to that point. But I was definitely a real big fan of this. And again, I'm a, I'm a little biased because I am a big fan of Ben Dewar's voice. Um, but this song was just nasty front to back and mm-hmm. uh, among, one of, uh, among the favorites for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from there, it jumps into Praise the Sun, which, as Matt hinted earlier, this is going to be the song about the Dark Soul game series. Uh, Matt, where are you at on this one? Uh, so do you uh, find pleasure in being in pain? You have died. <laughs> <laughs> do you find pleasure in being angry all the time? You have died. Do you also have the, you know, are you fine with the possibility that you are going to throw either your controller or keyboard through your TV wall or your uh, computer monitor? You died. Your computer died. Your wall died. You are dead. That That's is Dark, Dark Souls. Souls. <laughs> <laughs> um, all joking aside, this song was actually pretty neat. Um, it's real thick on the chunks in the beginning. Um, and I definitely, again, I like the kind of callback to Dark Souls, even though I'm not super familiar with my uh, limited playtime. Um, it was still a really neat song and, uh, you know, continues kind of doing what the, the rest of the record's done. Um, so I, I definitely appreciated that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's got like a very like ethereal effect kind of going on behind it and it helps break up the pacing and, and keeps the song fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, the song wasn't a single on the album, but it's definitely a standout song on it. Yeah. And um, this one is, uh, this actually felt the most like Chelsea Grin than the others, um, where everything else felt a little bit more Lorna Shore, mm-hmm. um, on Tom Barber's side is this also, this felt like what Tom does with Chelsea Grin, but it also had a similarity to the Chelsea Grin instrumentals. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another reason that it really stuck out. Yeah. Instead of kind of just being like galloping and, and like polyrhythmic kind mm-hmm. of notes, it was more of just straight chugs instead. Yeah, and it's a little bit more um a little bit more groovy, a little bit more rhythmic, mm-hmm. um and a, a little bit more technicality that we uh we would see more in uh like a song like Blind Kings. Yeah. Um a little bit more of that for sure. Uh, do you have anything else on that one? Nope, that'll be all I got. So following up is we have The Last of Us, um, which is not about The Last of Us. Um, lyrically, it seems to be, um, as I kind of alluded to, is a regret of the fame associated with being in the music. Gabe, what were you kind of thinking, at least musically, on this? God, I hate this song. I honestly... <laughs> I. Yeah, no, this is um, this is one I have the least to say as well. Yeah, it's, the the melody line just repeats over and over it just to a, a nausea inducing point and it's just just I, I don't like it yeah no and it, i i made the note is of the songs that actually feel like they fit on the record you know outside of the the softer material is this is my least favorite this it just doesn't add any value to it it just seems like something where tom was just like i just need to air out my dirty laundry kind of thing mm-hmm. and just be done um, that's honestly all I've got for it. It just wasn't that good of a song. Yeah. Then, uh, the record moves into the next song, which is going to be Daniel, which features Courtney LaPlante of Spirit Box and Johnny Reeves of Kingdom of Giants. 
Matt, how are you feeling on this one? So this is, uh, you know, another one of the slower songs. And honestly, and this is going to go into a little bit of my bias again, I've become a really big fan of Courtney LaPlante, especially with her Spirit Box material. She's the best part of the song. Um, her, the, the pro that my only thing is I feel like the feature with her as well as Johnny Reeves took too much away from the rest of the song. Um, so this is one where it kind of overstayed the welcome. Um, and a, again, as a, as a fan of Courtney's is something felt a little bit off with her vocals. I don't know if it was just some, you know, as she was trying to record as something was kind of going on, you know, vocally for, her, or it was just how it was mixed, but she just didn't sound that great. And I, I, I can't tell you what it is, but something just felt off. But even with that being said, she was the best part of the song. Well, I disagree with you. Though. I, I, let me backtrack. I disagree with you on her not sounding well. I thought she sounded fantastic mm-hmm. in this. Um, she is definitely the best part of this song, so much to the point where I actually wish that this was just a Spirit Box song featuring Johnny Reeves instead of having Tom Barber do anything at all. Right. The song overall, it's a it's a decent song. It's not really at the top of my list because of Tom Barber, which is a weird thing to say on an mm-hmm. album f- with him. Yeah. But I, I really feel like this should have just been Courtney and should have just been Johnny handling all the vocal capabilities on this one. And I feel like that would have taken this one up to towards the top end. Yeah. And I think with uh, having so many cooks in the kitchen, I think is that's definitely one of the things. And um, I definitely made a note is, you know, it's a, it's a shame that uh, a feature with Courtney is on a song like this because it, it just felt very... Really empty is probably a good way to mm-hmm. describe it. Yeah, and with her being as big as she is right now, she's kind of just getting hired out to do all sorts of features right now. Because, I mean, she obviously is working on stuff with Spirit Box. She did mm-hmm. this. Uh, she hopped in on a song with uh, with the Acacia Strain last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I, I'm sure that there's several more that I'm just – those are just the ones that I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, no, I, I, I know there's some that I'm missing, and I, I just can't think of either off the top of my head. But, yeah, no, I think especially with how much Spirit Box blew up, especially with, like, Holy Roller, mm-hmm. um, and then now we're seeing a, a continued growth with uh, Constance as well as um, – oh, the, the, the most recent song um, – Circle with me mm-hmm. yep. is, I mean, we're just seeing a huge explosion with Spirit Box, and they're just blowing up. So, you know, they're doing something right. Sure. Uh, Matt, go ahead and take us into the next song. So the next song we've got is Mars Attacks. Um, and this one, dude, I vibe with it. Um, it's not particularly amazing, but I, I dig it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, the, the title is referencing the 1996 Tim Burton movie um, with the same name. It has nothing else to do with it besides that, which is kind of a recurring theme that we see here. Mm-hmm. Outside of Praise the Sun, the majority of these album titles seem to have something to do with some sort of pop culture right. in some way, shape, or form. Um, this song really hits hard. This is my favorite on the album. I, this is definitely among my favorites. Um, it's probably the grooviest, and mm-hmm. I think this might be my favorite chorus. Um, and then the other one that might be my favorite is also Pretenders, just in how simple and just mm-hmm. heavy it is. Um, I definitely probably say this is among my top three for sure. Yeah, the the galloping breakdown at the end is just otherworldly. Like it does not belong on Earth. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, Tom's vocal delivery is actually super solid on this one. So good job, buddy. You learned how to enunciate. Enunciation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's all I really got on Mars Attack, so I really enjoy it. Do you have anything further you want to nope, discuss? that's it. Um, right. Do you want to jump us into the next? Yeah, so uh, we then move next into Pale Tongue. Excuse me, Pale Tongue. 
Uh, there is some super heavy lyrics on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and this is a song. This is one of the ones they released to kind of um, as a teaser to the record. I I want to say it might have even been a, considered a single. It was. I just don't know how I feel about it because it comes in real hot in the beginning. Um, and you know the instrumentals help drive it, and the the song's heavy, so it you know that continues. But there's something about it that I'm almost just like meh about like i don't know i can't tell you what it is but there's something about the song that i'm not a fan of in a way but it's also like i listen to it and i'm like this song's hype so like you know I, i'm not sure how i feel but real real heavy on the vocal stuff as well and that it's another one of those kind of woke um scenarios as we had kind of talked about yeah i like this one a lot um the breakdown almost sounded like glitchy with how staccato uh, and it was just a neat, uh, how staccato it was and it was mm-hmm. like a really neat effect um so yeah I, I liked it a lot i enjoyed it really well the electronic elements were sprinkled in with it really well and they like it didn't overtake the song mm-hmm. and so like this is an example of like how it was done right without just sounding like though you were beating me over the head with transformer sounds and i <laughs> appreciate that because <laughs> <laughs> it was really rough on those first few songs <laughs> Sound Soundwave has entered the chat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like the, just another song about not letting people in anymore and how people just take advantage of you. Um, this one kind of lays it on really thick and mm-hmm. just makes me wonder, Tom, who hurt you? <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you need a hug, bro? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, then it goes into another favorite song of mine, Insects. Um, this... And when I say favorite, like it's just this is a fun one to listen to. Mm-hmm. Reading the lyrics was kind of interesting. So as we alluded to in the beginning, it, it's kind of one of those woke songs. It, it, it's more of a uniting song, like how we need to all take care of each other. But at the same time, like it felt like he was just saying, hey, we're all going to die, but we're just going to continue focusing on dying instead of working together on it. Mm-hmm. And it was a really pessimistic approach to uniting. Yeah. Um, which I thought was an interesting take on the song. Uh, how did you feel on it? I, I definitely kind of agree with that in, in how the the, it, the lyrical content is very much a trope. Uh, but the sad thing is, is it's, you know, how there is a lot of truth to what he was saying. Um, and the neat, the cool thing about this is, based on the timing that this song came out, is it was actually right after their debut EP. But because of the timing, is they had kind of said like, "Oh, this isn't going to be on the debut EP. It's actually going to be on the upcoming record." And I'll tell you what, man, this one was uh, it was a heavy boy. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely thick. takes the cake for the heaviest bridge. Um, it just was blistering and how heavy and how fast it was well and especially that like last minute of the song before Mm -hmm. that final chorus is just absolutely gross i i remember sitting there and it hits and i had to kind of stop and look at the time stamp i'm like this is insane it was just as just unbelievably heavy and i was i'm all for it (laughs) absolutely And, and so was i like it's just a solid song and and uh, kind of going back to your point about how like this one came out immediately after their ep re- mm-hmm. announcement um these guys are already in the studio working on album number two really they, i i think they just have this idea that they want to put out music stupid fast and yeah. i'm i'm okay with it mm-hmm. um certain bands can do that certain bands can't yeah and so like i know it was um i believe lincoln park who said that they wanted to put out an album every 18 months which is relatively quickly in terms of overall turnaround for right. for writing, recording and all that stuff on a record. But for a band of that size, that's absolutely possible for mm-hmm. just two guys doing it as a side project. When you have t- both 
both of their main bands are successful bands. Um, it's kind of interesting to see what they're doing. And then there's also the other side of things where bands kind of just turn out albums and it's not really that great, like Agoraphobic Nosebleed or um, Psychosexual who wants to put out a new album every six months, and I'm not wanting that at all. Can I don't we, think anybody uh, is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just great value Five Finger Death Punch and not the good Five Finger Death Punch Great either. value Five Finger Death Punch that was sitting outside the back of the store for about five months got kicked around by some homeless people who didn't even want to eat it because it was so disgusting kind of thing. Yeah, sounds about right. So that's our take on Psychosexual. We're never going to do a review on it. I'm just going to be very clear about that now um let's go ahead and move on to the next song man <laughs> so uh the next song we've got is if this is forever um yeah no this is this is a song that i could have just completely gone without um this was four minutes too long um i believe that the song should have only been a quarter of the length and maybe used as an outro for a song um but other than that like i just i i couldn't throw this in the trash any faster yeah, it's, it's like, it's really soothing. It's got a very peaceful lo-fi vibe to it. Really reflective, but I don't know why it's on this record. Yeah, no, I have no idea either. It's it's pretty much just a waste of a slot. Like, I, like I would have probably, the record would have been better if it was just Donna and Daniel for the softer stuff. You cut this into, you know, a quarter of the time and then slap it as an outro for a song and then call it a day and it would have made the record that much better. It's, it's again, just a waste of four minutes in my opinion. That being said, two things. I would definitely throw this on a sleep playlist. Yeah, that's fair. And the second thing, um, it was definitely a nice break from just the onslaught of toilet vocals and shattering polyrhythms found on the rest of the record. <laughs> and especially before we go into Darko, which is going to be the final track featuring Nick Arthur from Molotov Solution. Lizbeth, I'm coming home. Because <laughs> this song is too heavy. <laughs> oh, this, this one was brutal. And this is this is another instance of you know the longer features. And I like how... Tom and Nick actually sort of alternate vocals throughout the song, and it helps really provide it its own identity. And one of the things is, it's like typically, you know, a band having a self-titled record is a pretty pretty normal thing, I'd say. But having a band whose self-titled record also has a song named after them. Not so frequent. Uh, a couple of examples of that happening before is Bad Religion and Bad Company. Yep. Um, and I, this this band's not called Bad Darko, so I'm a bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, one of those I really like. Can you guess which one? Bad Company. No, it's no. Bad Religion, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this song was a... I, I, I don't want to say perfect end, but it was a perfect for this record and to this record. Yes, yes. It, it still encompassed everything that Splinter Cell did. It was still distinctly unique. Mm -hmm. And it showcased the experimental vibe that was really reoccurring throughout the entire record, especially like in the ending there where it's just kind of that experimental noises that rounded it off and finish it off. And, um, it definitely, you know, like it, it's one of those things where it's just as surprisingly as they started, the album ends mm -hmm. and it leaves the listener just kind of wondering what happens next when all that actually is happening next is just going to be silence. Yeah. And so it, it was kind of, um, it, it definitely gave me like a more mysterious kind of vibe to it towards the end there, just because it felt like something else was going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And the, the one thing is, you know, kind of talking about the noises at the end is the way it all came together is it sounded somewhat like what a 1940s or 1950s kind of 
program or advertisement kind of it, it it felt like that kind of thing and printed um, on like actual tape recorders yeah and stuff exactly like that. and the the cool thing about this song too is where like insects comes in and it's fast and heavy is this felt it was a lot slower it was but it was still extremely heavy so you know it was as if they kind of cut everything down and then again the bouncing between tom and nick is it was just just it was heavy and it was a, a huge change of pace because it wasn't just fast let's go fast let's go fast let's go fast but it was like let's pull it back a bit and we're gonna slow it down but we're gonna make it heavy and it honestly worked and as you said it's a it's a beautiful closer for for this record and you know if another band tried to do a closer like this as it probably wouldn't have fit but with this record is i I think it was probably the perfect way to do it definitely i feel like this one it wouldn't crack my top three but it would definitely crack my top five on the record that's fair Um, yeah and probably hit at number four, um, just with Insects, uh, Mars Attacks, and Donna. Those mm-hmm. just kind of taken my top three on this record. Okay. Um, but th- this one would come right there, butting up against uh, at, at number four. Okay. Yeah, and that, that's that's respectable. Yeah. But that is the self-titled album by Darko. Uh, hey, Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, where are you at? So I love how disgustingly brutal this is. I I definitely enjoyed that. My issue is is just because of how much the songs blended together is that kind of was a was a damper damper on the record. Um, the other thing is having the the slower songs that just felt very out of place um, was another thing. I'm gonna have to put it at a four point five. Um, it actually almost got to a point where I almost dropped the rating lower. Um, it's just as, as I continued listening and just how, you know, again, everything kind of blending is, you know, I was feeling almost disinterested in returning. Um, this record is probably one that I will not openly like go back to. I'll probably go back to singles for like, if I'm just looking for something nasty, heavy to listen to. Um, but this is a record that I'd probably recommend to some gym bro who just needs some heavy music to listen to <laughs> while he's lifting. Um, there were definitely some really high points in the record. It's just not enough to really bring me back for a full listen is my kind of yeah. look on it. What about you? Um, yeah. So it, I, when I was trying to figure out my reviewing, uh, for this album, I wanted, I, I tried looking at it in two different ways. If I were to rate all of the songs individually and, uh, then just kind of combine that as a rec- as the record whole, I'd be looking probably at about a five out of eight. But if I were just res- reviewing the album front to back from beginning song to end song, listening it, listening to it all the way through, it ends up being about a four for me. Okay. Um, just because of how much they do blend together. There's like you said, there's absolutely high points on the record. It just, those high points don't stand out enough amongst the muck, I guess. Um, yeah, where it just is kind of, kind of a mucky record yeah, in a way. Where you're kind of just sifting through the sludge of the absolute brutality that Tom and Josh are both bringing here. And the the four out of eight that I'm giving it here, like, it's not bad by any means. Yeah. It's just not for me mm-hmm. in, in most of these ways. There's still a couple songs on here. Like I said, I'm going to come back to Mars Attacks. I'm going to come back to Insects. I'm going to come back to Donna. Yeah. Um, it just... The rest of the album just does, it makes it too much to wade through. Yeah, no, I and I can agree with that. So that is the breakdown of the self-titled record by Darko, um, which actually did release on uh, May seventh of two thousand twenty-one. So 
Um, you know, we like to kind of go through and, you know, give our thoughts on everything. And the last thing we like to do is we call the hidden track where we talk, maybe not related to this record particularly, but something else in the music realm. Um, and as Gabe, you alluded to a little bit earlier is we're actually going to talk a little bit about the record we were initially going to review before we were introduced to this disgustingness. Um, (laughs) yeah, we wanted to do something a little bit different today. We wanted to, uh, instead of sharing our own individual thoughts about different things that we had come across, we wanted to actually go over something together. Um, and so this week we're going to be uh, just briefly discussing the newest Gojira album, Fortitude. Uh, Matt, what were your kind of overall thoughts on the new Gojira album? This one, so I've I've been familiar with the band since I was in junior high. Um, so I, I've been, I've kind of known who they are. I've known some of their material in the past, um, especially like for Mars to Sirius, um, which I think you had said you actually had a chance to listen to not too long ago. Yeah, so my th- this album as a result of the podcast, I started listening to this album um, because I had never outside of just hearing about Gojira actually listened to Gojira. Um, They were just one of those bands that never really caught my interest and had never come across any circles that I was in. So I never really bothered with them. So I went back and listened to to that particular album and it's a weird album. Mm -hmm. And then we listened to this one. It's it's, so... (laughs) And we, we talked about this a little bit in the era record where evolution is natural and we're we're all okay with it. This is a lot of experimentation. Um, and, you know, I've also been pretty disconnected from Gojira over the last few years. Um, they did a feature, uh, or they at least had uh, Randy from Lamb of God featured, so I had to check that song out. Um, but they included um, elements of The Hue, um, mm-hmm. The Mongolian throat singing uh, band um, is there. There was a lot of elements of that, and just a lot of really weird things that they were bringing in. And I don't know if they were kind of hinting at this, but especially going in my, uh, you know, my knowledge of these guys and them being a, a much heavier band, and then all of a sudden they're doing this stuff is it was just. Like it felt odd, and I I felt kind of dirty. I I was actually going over to Dave's, um, a good buddy of both Gabe's and mine, and um, I was listening to this record. And the thing is, is this this record never sucked me in. It it kept pushing me off, and it was mm-hmm. it's not something that I I would go to. I would plan to return to. The only way is if I give myself enough of a, a cool down and just kind of return to be like okay. Let me try this again, but like even then, I'm hesitant to do. Yeah, this album really wasn't for me. I tried. I, I got through one full listen through, mm-hmm. but the whole time I just couldn't pay attention to it. It just yeah. felt like I, it just it didn't have anything to grab my attention. I wasn't a fan of the vocal style. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't sound great to me. It was unintelligible in the mixing aspect of things. Yeah. The the guitars and the reverb on the vocals were louder than the actual vocals themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really couldn't understand what the guy was saying. It was just kind of, I, I don't want to call it stoner metal, but um, it had a lot of those elemental vibes to I it. De- I would, could definitely see that, and especially thinking of um, the the opening song, which I believe is actually the lead single, Born for One Thing, yeah. is I, I definitely could see that stoner metal vibe that you're referencing. Yeah, and, and I got those vibes, because like, it gave me vibes of like uh, Ursa Major or Red Fang or mm-hmm. um, Baroness, like just kind of a lot of those similar riffing styles, and even some of the, the same like the actual sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind it, so it that that already one thing that was one thing that really didn't catch me. The vocals were another thing that didn't catch me, and then just 
it felt like the songs were going on for far too long. Yeah. The, the first three songs, I think, encompass like 15 minutes of the record itself. Like, it, it's, it's just... It feels really rough. And, like, the overall, if I remember correctly, it's, like, 11 tracks, and it's, like, 58 minutes long. Jeez. Which is fine if you're doing something to capture the attention of the audience. Mm-hmm. But as somebody who had never really genuinely listened to Gojira before, this is not something that I would want to come back to again. No. And it, it's not – and especially if you're trying to use this as a as an entrance into Gojira, this is the wrong record to do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, 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 the – what was it? Mars Sira? Mars to Sirius. Yes, yeah, Mars to Sirius. Thank you. Um, that album would be a better introduction to Gojira. Like, I still found elements of that album that I did like. Mm-hmm. Uh, a- angry whale noises. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that opening riff to Ocean Planet is still one of my all-time favorite riffs. It's just disgustingly just. Ugh. Yeah, and so like that would be a better introduction to Gojira if you wanted to kind of check out because I definitely saw elements of what that was in that record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to sit through and, and listen through that record a couple times. Yeah. Whereas this one here, I just couldn't wait for it to be over so I could just finish this and not have to go back to it again. Yeah. No, and, I, and I don't have any intention of ever going back to this record. I can't blame it. Yeah, the, the, the two songs I definitely made a note of because of just how off the wall they were, um, especially compared to my prior listenings to Gojira, my familiarity, Hold On and The Chant were just mm-hmm. so just odd. I just, I, I was very very thrown off and they they stuck out for the wrong reasons if i had to put a tentacle rating on this one it'd be two out of eight yeah i think that's probably where i would be at because it's by no means as bad as escape the fate but it's pretty close (laughs) it was it was close you know i hear you um the quick little also addition um that i wanted to talk to is the uh new single by slaughter to prevail baba yaga oh man was ridiculous (laughs) yeah i guess we'll have a hidden track part two here because uh just just to talk about that a little bit slaughter to prevail have just Alex Terrible is otherworldly. That man clearly sold his soul to some sort of devil to get that voice because there is no way he should humanly be able to make the sounds he does out of his face. And he enunciates, too. He also does enunciate. <laughs> now, that being said, we can't understand it because it's mostly in Russian. That is very but true. But he enunciates in Russian. Yep, yep he does. <laughs> um, no, it's... And the really neat thing is, right off the bat, is you get a lot of the similar vibes to Demolisher. So you're mm-hmm. like, oh, sweet. Like, there's a familiarity. Then all of a sudden, it kicks into this Slipknot-esque vibe and kind of really bringing in some of the new metal. And you hear um, in the drumming style is it feels a lot like Slubnot and especially some of the vocal delivery and so I was like oh this is cool like we're starting to see kind of the evolution of the band we're seeing what they're kind of looking into and then the breakdown after he proceeds to yell at us in Russian and repeatedly say Baba Yaga was scary oh it was terrifying (laughs) and then like it returns to the beginning of the song where it's like uh, blood we drunk flesh we ate yeah and something about hate I don't yeah, know, that they're good at that. <laughs> it oh, was yeah. just, and if you watch the music video too, like, oh, it's chaos. It's, it's, it's terrifying. Chaos. It is <laughs> utterly terrifying. So I absolutely recommend it if you're a fan of heavy stuff. Um, going back to the uh, the new metal esque bridge, um, it kind of features Alex Terrible doing semi clean vocals, right? Which I hope we don't see more of because I've seen Alex Terrible's other YouTube videos, and he's not a good singer at all. <laughs> F. So. I hope we don't see more of it. This song, I was actually okay with it because it kind of just added more to the disturbing nature of the song. Yeah. Um, Like almost like a panic or um, uh, just kind of a fracture of the mind, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I feel like it really added something to this song. I just hope that if we see it again, it 
is able to again add more of an element like that to the song. And I think instead it's so of him brief being trying well. to scream. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a very brief thing, but yeah, so that, that'll be what we're going to be uh, addressing here. So uh, you guys got a, a full helping today here in, on Tentacle Bot. But yeah, so that'll be what we have for you guys today. Uh, please remember to go like and rate us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, Spotify, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Uh, it does really help us out here. Definitely drop a comment on uh, our Podbean um, site. That way, you know, if you guys have some thoughts or some additional insight into some of the stuff, please do let us know. Um, and honestly, until the next time, we'll see ya. See you later.